0: Our dear Father in heaven, thank you so much for giving us another opportunity to fellowship with you and study your word. Dear Lord, please teach us your ways. Open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. Grant us graciously of your spirit that we may rightly divide the word of truth and make us to know you more and in knowing you that we may be transformed into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Put your words in my mouth, dear Lord, and consecrate me to your service. Speak through me to all your children who are listening that we all may be blessed. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. That I may know him. January 3. Who may know God? Canst thou by searching find out God? Canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? Job chapter 11, verse 7. We cannot by searching find out God, but he has revealed himself in his Son who is the brightness of the Father's glory and the express image of his person. If we desire a knowledge of God, we must be Christ-like. Living a pure life through faith in Christ as a personal saviour will bring to the believer a clearer, higher conception of God. Eternal life is the reward that will be given to all who obey the two great precepts of God's law, love to God and love to man. The first four commandments define an enjoin love to God and the last six love to our fellow men. Obedience to these commands is the only evidence man can give that he possesses a genuine saving knowledge of God. Love for God is demonstrated by love for those for whom Christ has died. While enshrouded in the pillar of cloud, Christ gave directions regarding this love. Distinctly and clearly, he laid down the principles of heaven as rules that his chosen people were to observe in their dealings one with another. These principles Christ lived out in his life of humanity. In his teaching, he presented the motives that should govern the lives of his followers. Those who partake of God's love through a reception of the truth will give evidence of this by making earnest, self-sacrificing efforts to give the message of God's love to others. Thus, they become laborers together with Christ. Love for God and for one another unites them to Christ by golden links. Their life is bound up with his life in sanctified, elevated union. This union causes rich currents of Christ's love to flow continually into the heart and then flow again in love for others. The qualities that it is essential for all to possess in order to know God are those that mark the completeness of Christ's character, His love, His patience, His unselfishness. These attributes are cultivated by doing kind actions with a kindly heart. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Who May Know God? And our key text is taken from the book Job 11 verse 7 and it says, Canst thou by searching find out God? Canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? It's a rhetorical question and it's what ushers us into this devotion today titled who may know god in that i may know him page 9 paragraph 2 we are told if we desire a knowledge of god we must be christ-like living a pure life through faith in christ as a personal savior will bring to the believer a clearer higher conception of god end of quote that quote there summarizes the the answer to the question of who may know god from there we can draw the lesson that those who know god Strangely, it's, one, it's, it's something that shows us that knowing God is not about something intellectual. It's not academic. The knowledge of God is not academic. It's not just something you know in your head. And that's why First John chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 says, Hereby, we do know that we know him. Not when you can read your Bible. Not when you can explain who God is. You may not be able to quote passage after passage, accurate book, chapter and verse. You may not know that. But the knowledge of God is shown, as as John says, by keeping his commandments. Hereby, we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Whosoever says, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. So who may know God, living a pure life, that is keeping of the commandments like we just read now, that I may know him, page 9, paragraph 2. If we desire to know God, we must be Christ-like. That sounds quite strange, but as we go through our devotion, we will explain from the Word of God how it is that the knowledge of God is not something academic or intellectual, but it is something practical. It is the keeping of the commandments of God. So, what do we? What is? What are the qualities we need to have? Because we have already seen point blank: those who will know God must live a Christ-like life, not before you know God, then you know god first sorry it's not that you will know god first then the knowledge of god will help you to live a christ-like life no it is by living the christ-like life that you then get a conception of god living a pure life through faith in christ as a personal savior will bring to the believer a clearer higher conception of god so yes some knowledge of god may be needed for you to live the christ-like life but that is not the knowledge of god itself that's initial intellectual knowledge you have that you exercise faith on and begin to keep the commandments of god that intellectual knowledge is not the knowledge of god itself it is when you obey then you will now have a higher conception of god but before we talk about that further let us ask ourselves what is it that will make me to even get into the intellectual understanding exercise faith in the word of God that will now help me to live the Christ-like life and thereby have a clearer higher conception of God and I pray that we're getting the message to have a higher conception of God you must not just know in the head but live a Christ-like life a pure life but before you can live that pure life there's that initial knowledge you must have that you exercise faith on the word of God knowing the word of God, hearing it, exercise with it, then do it, then you will know God. But before you can exercise that faith, you must learn something. What does Jesus say that we are particularly to learn of him? What should we behold in Jesus if we desire a knowledge of God? Let us hear from Jesus himself. In the book of Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek. Lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, what do we learn from here? Meekness and lowliness of heart are the qualities Jesus says of himself that we are to learn. I am reminded of the passage where David himself identifies these qualities as important to the knowledge of God. Psalm 131, verse 1 to 3. David says, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty, neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. Let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. Amen. So from here we see David saying that you must be childlike if you must know God. Isaiah 28 verse 9 and 10 tells us further, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. These two passages we have read from Psalms and Isaiah tells us that in order for you to have that initial faith, exercise it on the word you have heard. That will now help you to live the Christ-like life and thereby have a higher conception of God. The initial quality you must have is the meekness and lowliness of Jesus behaving as a child. You must dwell on the character of Jesus. And the character that we must have is a character of meekness, self-distrust, teachableness, self-renunciation, open-mindedness, devoid of the teachings of tradition and superstition, uncorrupted by worldly teachings. When we take away all these things not be corrupted by worldly teachings and tradition and then bring to our lives open mindedness, renounce self, don't think you know anything, come to Jesus as a child, meek and lowly, distrust yourself, then you have begun the, the, the journey of learning of God. Reading from Medical Ministry, page 95, paragraph 2, we are told, Human talents and human conjecture have tried by searching to find out God. Many have trodden this pathway. The highest intellect may tax itself until it is wearied out in conjectures regarding God, but the effort will be fruitless. And the fact will remain that man by searching cannot find out God. This problem has not been given us to solve. All that man needs to know and can know of God has been revealed in the life and character of his son, the great teacher. As we learn more and more of what man is, of what we ourselves are in God's sight, we shall fear and tremble before him. End of quote. Amen. So the question for us is, do you know Jesus and who can know Jesus? Like we have read, you cannot by searching find out God. You have to humble yourself. And that's what David said. I am not exercising myself in things too high for me. That which is revealed about God is all that you are to know. When you exercise yourself in things too high for you, you start to conjecture and to find out things that is not necessary for you to know. Do you know Jesus and who can know him? The answer is only those who have the mind of children, who are meek and lowly in heart. To those who are proud and trust to their own wisdom, they will not know Jesus and cannot receive his words in their heart. When Jesus walked upon the face of this earth, there were these two classes of people, those who humbled themselves to him and those who in pride rejected him. In consequence of their pride and lack of meekness and lowliness of heart, in trusting to their own wisdom, they could not receive Jesus, though he was standing right in front of them reading from desire of ages page 458 paragraph 3 and downward to explain what i mean it says god does not compel men to give up their unbelief back to what i was saying the people who rejected jesus were pharisees and what i'm reading now is a commentary in regard to why they rejected him and the reason why they could not receive jesus so it says god does not compel men to give up their unbelief Before them are light and darkness, truth and error. It is for them to decide which they will accept. The human mind is endowed with power to discriminate between right and wrong. God designs that men shall not decide from impulse but from weight of evidence, carefully comparing scripture with scripture. Had the Jews laid by their prejudice and compared written prophecy with the facts characterizing the life of Jesus, They would have perceived the beautiful harmony between the prophecies and their fulfillment in the life and ministry of the lowly Galilean. Many are deceived today in the same way as were the Jews. Religious teachers read the Bible in light of their own understanding and traditions, and the people do not search the scriptures for themselves and judge for themselves as to what is truth. But they yield up their judgment and commit their souls to their leaders. The preaching and teaching of his word is one of the means that God has ordained for diffusing light. But we must bring every man's teaching to the test of scripture. Whoever will prayerfully study the Bible, desiring to know the truth, that he may obey it, will receive divine enlightenment. He will understand the scriptures. If any man will let to do his will, he shall know of the teaching. John 7, verse 17, end of quote. The last part of this quote I just read answers the question, Who may know God? And the answer is, Whoever will, first of all, prayerfully study the Bible. Secondly, you must have a desire to know the truth, not a desire to prove yourself right, not taking the Bible as a means to show that you are correct or trying to find fault in it. You cannot know God that way. You must humble yourself prayerfully study the Bible desiring to know the truth and having a desire to also obey it. When you are like this you will receive divine enlightenment and will know God but yet you've not yet known him enough until you start to do the things Jesus asked you to do. Look at John 8 verse 31 and 32 it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You don't become a disciple before doing God's word. It is when you do his word that you become a disciple. Going on in verse 39, downward, Jesus was trying to explain why the Pharisees could not know him, why they could not understand him. And While looking at this uh, devotion who may know God over, under the overarching theme that I may know him, What are the things that will make us not to know him and what will make us to know him we've already seen some qualities but from this encounter with jesus and the pharisees we see jesus identifying why the pharisees could not understand him or know him so i'm reading john 8 verse 39 to 47 it says they answered and said unto jesus abraham is our father jesus said unto him unto them if you are abraham's children you will do the works of abraham but now you seek to kill me a man has told you be told you the truth which i have heard of god this did not abraham you do the deeds of your father then said they unto him, We be not born of fornication, we have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Now verse 43, John 8 verse 43, Jesus now explains why they cannot understand him. He says, Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father the devil and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinced me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? Now, verse 47, he says, He that is of God, heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Amen. Two things that Jesus identified here. Verse 43. Why do you not understand my speech? He then gave the answer, because you cannot hear my word. Verse 47, he then said, he that is of God, hear my God's words, which is Jesus' words also. And said to them, you cannot hear them because you are not of God. That is it. Are you of God? And how do we know those who are of God? Those who are of God are His disciples, like we read in John 8, verse 31. Jesus said to those Jews that believed, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. But the the, the Pharisees could not know God. They were not of God, and they would not hear. Jesus said, Why are you not hearing? Is it that their ears were not working? No, it was working. They were literally hearing. But as far as hearing to understand and do is concerned, the Pharisees are considered as deaf people. They could not hear God's word. Let us read a commentary on this to explain why the Pharisees could not know God. That what it means that they could not hear. Jesus said, why are you not hearing me? why is it that you cannot understand because you are not listening you cannot hear and why can't you hear because you are not of god desire of ages page 468 paragraph 1 downward says the fact that although they could find no sin in christ the jews would not receive him proved that they themselves had no connection with god that's what jesus said they were not of god so if you cannot find any fault in the word of god but yet you are conjecturing refusing to believe it it just shows that you are not of god I take that again. The fact that although they could find no sin in Christ, the Jews would not receive him proved that they themselves had no connection with God. And check yourself. Are you conjecturing on the word of God, seeking to find fault, and you can't find fault, but yet you still don't believe? That means you are not of God. Continuing the reading, it says, they did not recognize his voice in the message of his son. They thought themselves passing judgment on Christ, but in rejecting him, They were pronouncing sentence upon themselves. He that is of God said, Jesus, hear it God's words. You therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. The lesson is true for all time. Many a man who delights to quibble, to criticize, seeking for something to question in the word of God, thinks that he is thereby giving evidence of independence of thought and mental acuteness. He supposes that he is sitting in judgment on the Bible, when in truth he is judging himself. He makes it manifest that he is incapable of appreciating truths that originate in heaven and that compass eternity. In presence of the great mountain of God's righteousness, his spirit is not awed. He busies himself with hunting for sticks and straws and in this betrays a narrow and earthly nature, a heart that is fast losing its capacity to appreciate God or that sad. He whose heart has responded to the divine touch will be seeking for that which will increase his knowledge of God and will refine and elevate the character. As a flower turns to the sun, that the bright rays may touch it with tints of beauty. So will the soul turn to the sun of righteousness, that heaven's light may beautify the character with the graces of the character of Christ. Amen. So what do we see here? We are learning a lesson that I've been saying, which is that, Criticizing, quibbling, seeking for something to question on God's words is the evidence that some people think that they are independent, that they are wise. But that is actually the evidence that they are not of God. Imagine that in the presence of the great mountain of God's righteousness as they see it, yet their spirit is not awed. It just shows they are not of God. So, who may know God? It is something in the inner man. There's something that happens in the mind that first of all kindles your inclination either to be one that desires to know God or one that does not want to know God. To be of God, you must be awed by his righteousness. You must be able to resonate with truth and resonate with good and right. You must be able to resonate with these things. But if you don't find any resonance with the commandments of God, it shows that you are not of God. We read today in our devotion in That I May Know Him, page 8, paragraph 3, it says, Eternal life is the reward that will be given to all who obey the two great principles of God's law, love to God and love to men. The first four commandments define and enjoin love to God, the last six love to our fellow men. Obedience to this command is the only evidence man can give that he possesses a genuine saving knowledge of God. Amen. But if you come before the commandments of god and you are not submitting to it you have no evidence that you know god the only evidence that a man knows god is that he submits to the commandments of god first john 2 verse 3 and 4 hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments so if you first of all hear the commandments not keeping it yet but you hear it and yet you are disgusted at it you say it doesn't it has been done away with it's not to be kept That is the evidence that you cannot know God. Because the only evidence that one knows God is that he is keeping the commandments of God. His saving knowledge of God is in the keeping of the commandments of God. But the Pharisees could not hear the word of God. But those who know God will receive his word and they will not stop there. They will also give it to others. We read further in our devotion, paragraph 4 now. It says those who partake of God's love through a reception of the truth will give evidence of this by making earnest self-sacrificing efforts to give the message of God's love to others. Thus, they become laborers together with Christ. Love for God and for one another unites them to Christ by golden links. Their life is bound up with his life in sanctified, elevated union. Amen. So, another evidence that one knows God or to show that you can know God is that you will have a desire to teach others about the knowledge of God or the love of God to know God is to love him by the way because to love God is to keep his commandments John 14 verse 15 if you love me keep my commandments and then 1 John 2 verse 3 it says those that know God are those that keep his commandments so all of them mean the same thing in 1 John chapter 4 reading from verse 7 It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. So, when we read in our devotion that those who partake of God's love, what are they partaking of? God's knowledge, because everyone that loveth knows God. So, those who partake of God's love through a reception of the truth, gives evidence of it by making earnest self-sacrificing efforts to make others to know that same truth. So two things that shows that one knows God is the receiving of the word of God and keeping of his words and also teaching others. But let us talk more again of the Pharisees and why is it that they could not hear? Why they they couldn't receive the knowledge of God? Another encounter Jesus had with them um, in the book of Matthew and when he was through, they were having a discussion and it was there again the Pharisees were manifesting their animosity towards jesus and the disciples wanted to find out why jesus speaks to them the way he speaks to them because he always spoke in parables and here's the conversation matthew 13 reading from verse 10 to 17 he says and the disciples came and said unto him why speakest thou unto them in parables he answered and said unto them because it is given of you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven but to them it is not given for whosoever hath to him shall be given and he shall have more abundance but whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, by hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see, and your ears for they hear, for verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear, and have not heard them. Amen. So you see here the matter of hearing. You know before we have read where Jesus asked the Pharisees in the book of John chapter 8, reading from verse 43, why do you not understand my speech? And Jesus gave the answer because you cannot hear my word now here in matthew 13 once again we are seeing that concept of hearing is it that their ears were not working no jesus said the reason the kind of hearing here is an understanding and a reception of that thing which their ears is hearing in in verse 14 matthew 13 verse 14 jesus said this a prophecy that isaiah gave that these people in hearing they will hear but they will not understand they will see but they will not perceive so when Jesus says because you cannot hear my words he's trying to say you cannot understand you cannot perceive but why is it they could not perceive verse 15 you are they said their heart is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes they intentionally closed it so that they will not see or hear and will not understand and be converted how does this play out in reality It is when you have great evidence pointing to the truth, but you stubbornly refuse to accept it. That is exactly what happened to the Pharisees. Stubbornness out of either hatred, competitive spirit, strife, for whatever reason, jealousy, envy, because the Pharisees envied Jesus. They were jealous of him. And because of that, they could not receive anything, he said. They were in competition with him for attention and for position. And because of that, even though Jesus did every good deed they would not receive, they closed their ears and their eyes and made it dull of hearing. In the days of Paul, Paul also met people like that who he gave very conclusive arguments as to why the truth is the truth. At least those the, the, the Pharisees who claim that they believe the Bible and the Bible is the Word of God, they said that God is their Father. That same Bible, Jesus will use it to teach them something. Instead of them to acknowledge it and say, yes, this is the truth, they will be quiet or they will want to find one other error that they would bring forth to Jesus to prove him wrong. In the face of irrefutable arguments, they will still not acknowledge the truth because they have determined that they will never accept Jesus. That is what it means to be dull of hearing. When you have determined that you have set yourself against the child of God, who is presenting the truth to you, no matter what the person says, as far as it's coming from that person, you reject it. As far as that truth was coming from Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, they were always going to reject it. But why did they hate Jesus? He was an exemplification of the truth, his character. The moment they had hated the character of Jesus, it is impossible for them to accept the word of God, even if it was not coming from Jesus, even if it was coming from someone else. As far as it is exemplifying the character of God, they will hate it so their real hatred was not necessarily the word itself but in the man jesus of course jesus is the word so they hate jesus they hate the word also so in the days of paul like i was saying he met such people and i want to read a commentary in the the book called the life of paul page 277 paragraph 2 and downward to explain how this played out in the days of paul it says some of paul's hearers eagerly received the truth but others stubbornly refused to be convinced The testimony of the scriptures was presented before them by one who was their equal in learning and their superior in mental power and who had the special illumination of the Holy Spirit. They could not refute his arguments but refused to accept his conclusions. The prophecies which the rabbis themselves applied to Christ were a great annoyance to these opposing Jews, for the apostles showed that the fulfillment of of these very prophecies required them to accept of Christ his humble entry into Jerusalem, his rejection by his own people, the treachery of Judas, the paltry sum paid for his betrayal, his death as a malefactor, even the bitter, stupefying droughts suffered him in his dying agony, the lots cast upon his garments, his victory over death and the grave by the resurrection on the third day, his final exaltation on the right hand of God, all these were indirect fulfillment of the words of the prophets. But the more conclusive the are arguments presented the more determined were the jews in their opposition frenzied with malice they reiterated their assertions that jesus of nazareth was a deceiver further arguments was useless paul closed with a solemn address in which he applied to them the words of isaiah before quoted by christ himself well spake the holy ghost of isaiah of isaiah the prophet unto our father saying go unto these people and say hearing you shall hear and shall not understand and seeing you shall see but not perceive for the heart of these people is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes have they closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted and i should heal them paul's words had not been in vain Some fully accepted Jesus as the world's redeemer and despite the opposition of their former brethren, they became earnest advocates of the truth. End of quote. So what do we learn from here? Stubbornness. That was why they could not know God, Jews. And one evidence that shows that you cannot know God is when evidence after evidence has been shown to you, both in nature and in the word of God, and every argument joining together leads to a particular conclusion. You accept all the arguments, but you refuse the conclusion. It shows that you're stubborn. You cannot know God that way. One point is given to you, leading to another, which are clear. You cannot dispute it A fact is brought up and you agree, yes, this is true. And then if this is true, this is true. And then keeps going with argument after argument from the word of God. And then we now say, based on these arguments, there's no other conclusion than this. In the case of Paul, he was trying to prove to them why Jesus is the Messiah. And he opened to them Psalms chapter 22, Psalms chapter 63, Isaiah 53, and showed them all the things that was prophesied about the Messiah look at it, it happened to this man Jesus, he was sold for 30 pieces of silver, that was what was prophesied he died and resurrected the third day, the bible prophesied it he was supposed to be a Bethlehemite and Jesus was a Bethlehemite, and also when he was on the cross, they gave him gall to drink the same thing happened to Jesus and as he was given all these things, they will be looking at him and be saying, yes, 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 and then by the time he's true with everything, showing that Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies that the Messiah is to fulfill, he then says, that shows that Jesus is the Messiah, and then they will say Blasphemy, we don't agree. Why don't you agree? You agreed with all the arguments, but you don't agree with the conclusion. That is how you know someone whose heart is waxed gross, who has closed his ears and made himself dull of hearing. He has closed his eyes so that he will not see. He has made it to be like Jesus said, that they will not understand their heart is waxed gross so that they will not understand with their heart and be converted and Jesus should heal them. But if you are not like this, Jesus said, blessed are your eyes for you see and your ears for you hear. Amen. So do you want to know God? You must have a childlike heart. Accept the truth. You must be of God. You must keep the commandments because only those that keep the commandments can show evidence that they know God. In conclusion, reading from That I May Know Him, page 9, paragraph 4 and 5, we were told, those who partake of God's love through a reception of the truth will give evidence of this by making earnest, self-sacrificing efforts to give the message of God's love to others. Do you know God? Are you giving the message of God's love to others by precept and by example? That's what shows you know him. But the prerequisite of that Christ-likeness, because we have already read that it's only by Christ-like character that you may show that you know God. If we desire a knowledge of God, we are told we must be Christ-like. Living a pure life through faith in Christ as a personal savior is the evidence that we know God. But what is it that will even help us to live that Christ-like life? Like we've said, you must be of God. That That is the criteria. You must be of God and be open in your heart. Don't trust yourself. Don't think you know. Humble yourself and come before God and learn of him. Reading from the life of Paul, page 279, paragraph 1 and 2, we are told God has made his people the depositories of his law. They must uphold the claims of that downtrodden law against the opposition of ministers of the gospel, against men of learning, position and authority. The evidence of his binding claims cannot be overthrown, yet its enemies will come again and again to the battle, urging the same arguments every time refuted and as often renewed. Paul was led and taught by the Holy Spirit, but notwithstanding this, those who were not taught were filled with jealousy and malice when they saw him advocating truths which they had not sanctioned. They were determined that he should move no faster than they. Had they, like the noble Bereans, set the scriptures with a humble, teachable spirit, they would have learned the truth as Paul preached it. But they studied only to find something to sustain themselves and condemn him. End of quote. And this is why they could not know God. They did not come with a humble, teachable spirit. And they could not know him. We are not to go to the word of God as a tool for argument. Studying it to find something to sustain what you've already believed. Open your mind and drop your tradition and your belief and come to the word of God. And know the truth and let the truth be sustained. Not your tradition, not what you think, not your opinion. Drop your opinions Come to the word of God and let it teach you and uphold the word. Have self-distrust. Be teachable, be humble like a child. And then you can now hear and do the will of God. And when you do, then you have a saving knowledge of God. Let us pray. Our dear loving Father in heaven, we thank you so much for giving us this explanation of how we may know God. If we have conjectured on your word been stubborn, having a heart that is waxed gross, an ear that is dull of hearing, eyes seen, but yet we perceive not. Lord, please heal us. Forgive us for being distrustful of your word and help us to have that childlike faith that we may receive your word and have a Christ-like character and have a saving knowledge of God. Help your children, Lord. There may be some who are like Pharisees who have been stubborn towards your word not submitting to it lord whatever balm can be given to such a one to heal that sin sick soul please lord heal us and help us to have a saving knowledge of god in jesus name i've prayed amen this message was brought to you by the angel with a strong voice a ministry dedicated to preparing people to stand true to god and be ready for his imminent return For more information and free online resources, please visit www.tawas.org, that is www.tawasv.org, or contact info at tawas.org.